0: It's a new year, a marker many of us naturally see as a chance for a reset, for a fresh start. And for many families who've been locked up together the last 10 months or so, we need that reset more than ever. But we've got questions about how to change some of the habits that may have set in during our lockdown. Hey everyone, Adam Holtz here, your host for The Plugged In Show. Focus on the family's weekly conversation about entertainment, pop culture, and technology. Thanks for joining us today. Well, I don't know about you, but I've got three kids at home, ages 10, 12, and 14. We have spent a lot of time together since last (laughs) March. It's been the longest spring break ever. I know I've I've used that joke before, but that's the way it still feels. Uh, You know, and that's when the coronavirus sent us all home indefinitely. Some of that time has been good, but there's also been a lot of time on screens, even more than before. And sometimes... I have more questions than answers personally, questions my kids ask me about why setting limits in these areas matters, questions that my wife and I ask each other after they go to bed or these days before they get up. So that's what we're going to be talking about today. And joining me for our conversation are Kristen Smith, Jonathan McKee, Bob Hoos, Paul Acey. All right. What were some of the limits that your parents placed on you with regard to entertainment when you were growing up?
1: I feel like this is a hard one because I didn't have a cell phone until I was like 17 until I could buy it myself. And then as a kid, we had like three stations on PBS. So (laughs) seriously, like I watched Clifford, Zaboomafoo, I don't know, you know, like all the normal, I guess the normal ones on PBS. (laughs) So I'd get up on Saturday, watch a few cartoons. And then my mom would like make all seven of us go outside, lock the door and tell us to go find something to do. So you know, yeah, that sounds yeah, healthy. But you, yeah, yeah, but you're yeah. the
2: only one on this. You're the only one on this podcast who actually even you know had a cell phone when you were a teenager. Oh, <laughs> we man. had we had little cans with a string tied to each <laughs> end of our cans. So. Did yeah, you
3: honestly.
0: walk
1: barefoot everywhere too? <laughs> we did in the snow.
0: <laughs> a pill both ways, you know yeah. it.
4: Yeah. <laughs> And and I grew up in the age of cave drawings, so, uh, you know. (laughs) (laughs) Or or, or at least it it would feel like that today, you know, to today's kids since uh, back when I was a kid, you know, we only had three major networks to watch, you know. Yeah. yeah. And my, my iPad equivalent was this thing called a comic book. And uh, and <laughs> so so our, our choices were narrowed, and and worries over screen time really weren't a thing. Um, I, I, I guess as we are going along with your question, though, Adam, I guess my biggest entertainment struggle as a kid was probably talking my parents into staying up late so I could watch Star Trek. Oh yeah, know, Ooh, on, on Sunday uh, night. Yeah, the original Star Trek. That's right. Yes. That's right. Yeah, right.
3: Yeah. My parents were pretty strict. They started out pretty strict. I was one of those kids who could only watch uh, an hour of TV. So I could choose between Sesame Street or maybe Mr. Rogers and the electric company if I could. Um, but it was really pretty locked down company for my younger, electric younger years.
0: Company. The electric
3: company was great. Oh, it was was. was awesome. Oh, it was so good. Kristen, you don't know what you're missing, (laughs) but yeah, it was, it was fantastic. But of course I had to make some hard choices about what I wanted to watch. Um, Thankfully I eventually got into football and there's no way you can watch a football game in under an hour. And so that was sort of the the catalyst for losing all those restrictions and, and I'm the worst for it now.
2: Wow. Oh man. I, I remember those days, football, Howard Cosell. Oh, man, Mm -hmm. those were the days. Anyway, but yeah, I think, you know, I shared with our listeners before, probably a long time ago on this show, the the one show that sticks out in my mind that I remember, they said, you cannot watch. And it was, it. so I don't think I really had time limitations as much as content limitations. And and I just remember remember my parents being like, you're not going to watch that Starsky and Mm Hutch. And I was so (laughs) bummed. And I remember my brother and I on our black and white TV, yes, uh, I am that old, uh, that, you know, we would sometimes sneak when mom and dad weren't there to watch (laughs) Starsky and Hutch, that terribly (laughs) violent show, you know, and they had no problem with I Dream of Genies. you know, Bear Midriff. They had no problem, you know, with Gilligan's Island uh, and Ginger, Uh, but no, they didn't let us watch Starsky and Hutch.
0: I love you, Dad. In this episode of Parents Under the Bus, it's now my turn. (laughs) Well, and I think it illustrates how, as parents, we do our best to draw limits around things that we think are appropriate or inappropriate. And yet, let's face it, sometimes our parents and sometimes even us as parents, the limits are totally arbitrary, right? I mean, I just know Starsky and Hutch, that that's funny, but those other shows, it's <laughs> fine. So my parents will now join your parents under the bus. And mom and dad, if you're listening, I'm, I'm so sorry for what I'm about to say. Um, they had two more children uh, just as I was a late tween and early teen. And I was pretty much on autopilot. So I don't remember having any limits at all. I mean, I was just in my room with the headphones on. Wait, listening- and you were,
2: the fr- you were the first born?
0: Yeah, I was almost nine and ten years older than my brother and sister. That's weird, because usually usually the firstborn,
2: it's like stricter for the firstborn and lighter uh for the younger kids. That's interesting. Yeah, Yeah.
0: well, my mom was a teenager when she had me, so that may have had something to do with it. So uh, anyway, sorry about that too, mom. It's confession time. (laughs) 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 Um, But yeah, I mostly was in the basement with my dad's Marantz headphones from the 1970s, listening to Def Leppard like for four or five hours a night. And uh, that probably explains a great many things. So it I look back and think, hair. you know, there was a cry for help here that I think went unanswered, but you know, here I am today. So <laughs> <you> know <laughs> love all those stories because the fact of the matter is uh, we're all influenced by entertainment and our parents are all trying to figure out how do I help my kids through this? And so that is what we're going to be talking about today. And so fast forward uh, from the seventies and eighties and 90s into the 21st century, uh, and that brings us to today. And years ago, a friend of our families got our first Kindle for us as a Christmas present, uh, and I remember thinking, "Wow, that's pretty cool." And somewhere in the back of my mind, I knew that it would be a game changer for us, and it was. It did not disappoint. My kids were a lot younger then; that must have been, oh, I don't know, ten years or so ago. But it didn't take my son very long to discover and to master i might add angry birds so some of you probably (laughs) remember angry birds and we were off and since then the issue of how to manage screens and technology has just been a part of our family's life just as i'm sure it's been a part of the lives of most families out there listening today so we're going to spend some time talking about really fundamental questions that our kids ask us and that we might find ourselves quietly asking perhaps our spouse or somebody that that we know and trust well so first question when we have kids that are close in age it's hard for them to understand why the older ones might have privileges that they don't for example our 14 year old has a smartphone my 12 year old wants one my 10 year old also thinks she needs one too so here's the question to get us going how do we manage technology limits and rules when we have kids of different ages? Well, you know, let me ask Well let me ask you a question, Adam. Uh when your oldest uh
2: gets a driver's license, you gonna give the other ones a driver's license also?
0: No, but that's a law. So, you know, I, I at least have the police to fall back on that one for. <laughs> But I like how you tried to turn my question back on me. I'm honestly wanting to hear what you guys have to say. Well, it is one of those things where, you know, I I, I talk to parents about that all the time.
2: There's certain things that, you know, when you get to a certain age, there's rites of passage and there's also laws. And with social media, there is laws. You can't be on social media till you're age 13 because of COPA, which is the FTC's Child Online Privacy Protection Act. So that's why if your kid tries to jump onto Twitter or, you know. Well, I was going to say Facebook, but let's be honest, our kids don't want to be on Facebook, but, you know, they want to be on Instagram. They want to be on TikTok, whatever. When they go to sign up, it will actually say, you know, please enter your age. And if they enter their truthfully, their birth year and they're only 11 or 12, um, it'll say, sorry, you can't be on this. And they have to lie about their age. So there are actual age limits. They just aren't as for, you know, enforced as much. As, you know, the highway patrol out there on right. the roads. So, um, Good point. you know, but it's, it's one of those things that, you know, I just think that we need to talk with our kids about and talk about not that, you know, devices are bad or social media is bad. But, hey, there's, you know, you need to show some wisdom and responsibility. And here's here's an age in which, you know, you know, we'll, we'll look at that.
3: It's a really tricky question and I really like what what you said Jonathan about sort of these rites of passage because in some ways this can be a really great thing in in a way for for a child as as they grow I think that they really love to have those milestones of getting older and, and sort of that, that opening the door for more social media, for having a phone, that can be a fantastic rite of passage for children. The problem is, as you know, Adam, and as all the rest of us know, kids have different levels of maturity. And we know that, that there might be some kids who are ready for something like that at a certain age and and some kids who just aren't. And so it becomes a very difficult walk for parents. But I, I do like the idea of turning it almost into a positive, like Jonathan was suggesting, where you have this rite of passage that, that says, okay, I'm one step closer to being an adult. Hmm.
4: Yeah. And, you know, I, I agree with the whole idea that that it comes down to the individual child. You know, you were talking about jumping waist deep into who gets a phone and who doesn't. But the the, the fact is that I look at it the same way that I look at it at dealing with any other appliance. So let, let, let's say a, a stove. Okay. At, at a certain age, you tell your kid, don't touch the stove. And then, and then you can ease them into using the stove. You know, you, you want to learn how to make pancakes. You, you, you sort of teach them as you go along and then you can work your way up to helping them maybe prepare a full meal. Uh, and, and just cause the kid down the street is already cooking french cuisine doesn't mean they're they're, they're ready to do that you know and and it it, it takes time it takes guidance and it all depends on the individual child
2: anybody else thinking about pancakes right now now i I want pancakes right now
1: i think for me like i only have what a three-year-old and a baby so this doesn't really apply to me at the moment but i think adam what i heard in your question was How do I get my kids to stop asking, right? Like, even when I say this is the rule, you're probably going to ask me why every single day. I'm probably going (laughs) to hear complaining every single day because it's unfair that my sibling gets to do that. That for me would probably be the hardest part. But I remember because I'm the oldest of seven. I remember when I got to do things, my siblings didn't, and it felt awesome. And so they'd be like, <laughs> oh, God, it did. They'd be like, why oh, can't I do this? And I would just like sit there so proud, like, ha ha, I get to do it first. <laughs> but I think like all of you have said, like, it is a rite of passage. And unfortunately, that's just, that's just the way it is. Well, you know,
4: you, you were saying, you were saying, Kristen, that, that it doesn't apply to you because your kids are so young. But the fact is, I think I think you're right at the perfect stage where it all begins, because you're you're at the point where you can encourage your kids from a very young age to be thinking of a variety of ways to have fun. Uh, I, I I mean, we, we have this idea, this mental image that these days that you know, you can only have fun when you got a screen in your midst. Uh, yeah. But uh, but we need to realize that we're not being that that there's a lot of other ways to be creative and even as parents when we get to to the age where we think we should be handing kids screens or phones mm-hmm. uh we're not necessarily being a buddy by handing them the phone yeah i, I mean pancakes <laughs> yeah yeah right <laughs> that's
1: really messy to that point who's i was thinking you know we just went on vacation well we went on a trip because vacation with kids isn't vacation so we went on a trip And um, (laughs) a bunch of cousins uh, who are around my son's age, they all have tablets. And this was a pretty big battle for me because I'm really strict on tech, not as strict as some of my other friends, but um, like Judah has an allotted amount of time that he can watch a show or, you know, whatever it is. But especially when we were on vacation, that was hard because everyone else is on their devices playing Xbox Mm -hmm. and all this stuff that... I, I let him do it way more than I usually do, but there were times where I took it from him and told him to go play. And there were a lot of meltdowns.
2: You know, uh, I love what who said when he said, you're at the exact age to start thinking about this. This is one of those things where whenever I teach a parent workshop and I had parents of teens, they would always come up to me after the workshop and say, "Ah, I wish I would have thought about this stuff five to 10 years ago. And so it's interesting it, one thing I've done in the last couple of years with parent workshops is I always tell churches, I always tell whatever organization is hiring me, I always say, hey, really market this to parents of younger kids. Say, man, if you've got any kid that's got a screen or even thinking about a screen, which nowadays is three-year-olds, five-year-olds, you know, whatever. I said, get them in this workshop because it is the perfect time. Who's is so spot on mm-hmm. for you to start having these conversations about. Uh, you know, not not just conversations about how to be screen-wise, but also just like he said, um, here's what fun is. It's playing. It's going outside. Here's what ta- conversation is. It's looking into each other's eyes and having these conversations, you know. Um, something else you said that was brilliant, Kristen, was you said you know, to Adam, you said, you know, your kids are still going to ask why. And one thing I would just really emphasize to parents is embrace the why. Whenever your kids say why, it's an Awesome opportunity for conversation because when they say why, also now you have an opportunity to say, Glad you asked. Let's talk about this and make it a dialogue, not a monologue. That doesn't mean, you know, release lecture number one, which is five minutes long. (laughs) Release the lecture. Absolutely. You know, because I used to make that mistake all the time. You know, it was like the Kraken that you released, you know, and, um, But no, I mean, when they say why, it's an awesome opportunity to talk about the reasoning and the wisdom behind it. So it's not just
4: because I said
2: so. So
1: I saw this really awesome meme to that, that basically talked about Yoda died because he was asked why so many times and now parents (laughs) totally understand why. (laughs) But I totally get what you're saying and I agree.
3: (laughs) One of the things about this conversation too, we've talked about how it's never really too early to start having some of these conversations with your kids. I totally believe that. I also believe that it's never too late to model good screen behavior yeah, yourself. that's good. And I think oh, that yeah. that's a, such a key when you're talking about these battles because I think that your kids will see what you do with screens and they will emulate what you do with screens. If yeah. you're not Man. showing good screen discipline yourself, it's going to be much harder to instill that in your kids.
4: Oh, Yeah and and you know you know parents parents also need to recognize that um that screen time isn't all the same uh i think i think sometimes we think of screen time you know, uh, that that it's the exact same thing if you're handing your kid a, a phone to occupy them at the grocery store or we're streaming videos on ta- on the on a tablet in the car or we're playing educational computer games that it's all the same but it's not there are different benefits Uh, for different screen use and and some are really healthy. Sometimes they'll, they'll stimulate problem solving and communication skills and things like that. And others are just an empty fill of time. Hmm.
0: Well, that's a great segue into my next question. This is a real question. This is not a hypothetical question, real story. The other night I was driving home with my 12 year old from swimming practice and out of nowhere, she asked, what's so bad about social media anyway? Now, For context's sake, she's not on social media, but she's obviously internalized the idea that we think it's bad, even though I don't remember ever like sitting her down and having the, now honey, we all know that social media is bad conversation. We don't do that. So what would you say to kids who are interested in having social media accounts, but who are too young to have them? In other words, what's so bad about social media anyway?
1: So- I actually have an example of this. Um, When I was in college, I nannied this girl who we're still super close. She's in college now, which is super creepy.
3: Um, (laughs) (laughs) uh,
1: She was in the fifth grade when I started nannying her. And I I guess as a, what, a 21-year-old, 20-year-old, I didn't really realize that the things I was talking about were too old for her. But I think honesty is really key. And again, I don't have a child that... Is at the age where they can have social media? But I even think about it for myself. Like I want my accounts to be private um, because I don't want someone to take one of the photos from my children and use it elsewhere. Like all of these things that still apply to children. Um, it can be fun and you can use it in fun ways, but here are the real dangers. And I think having that open communication is really necessary because if, if you act like there aren't any issues with it or it's completely bad and can never be used, I feel like that's where you're gonna have the biggest fights. Does that make sense?
4: Mm -hmm. Yeah, Yeah, I I agree. I I think it's, uh, it's very important for us as parents to talk about the fact that there's cyber bullying that goes on in social media and and that you can run into things that just are not age appropriate for the kids, uh, when, when they're on there. And, and those kinds of elements can lead to things like social anxiety and and some self image problems, and even and depression. I mean, the fact is we don't face the facts that social media can lead in some kids to uh, even suicide. You know, mm-hmm. things like that do happen. And and being like Kristen was saying, being honest about that to kids, I think really can make an impression. I think it was cool. How Kristen gave the example of
2: her as this kind of mentor, this nanny um sometimes as parents we you know we're so trying to do it alone. I always think that's a this is a great reason why it's good to have your kids plugged into youth group, why it's great to um you know really welcome people who are willing to disciple your kids because it's so neat to have these other influences where they're hearing yeah. some of this truth right because mom and dad can say it till they're blue in the face mm-hmm. um, are we actually ever blue in the face but you know we could say it again and again and again and um, sometimes then all of a sudden this cool you know mentor says it once and your kids are like really and you're like ah I said that <laughs> a million times but um also I think it's cool how we you know one of the things uh, we actually talked about uh, in episode 46 this podcast we talked about that documentary the social dilemma um, on netflix Um, Mm. that's a place where you can hear an outside voice we have these experts that are sitting there talking about this and in that podcast you know we shared some of the research about why social media uniquely um, is different than other screen time and how it's not that it's bad it's not that it's evil but it's something we should be very careful of and when it, you know, I think it's great for parents to sit down and say, Hey, let's watch this. And all of a sudden when your kids hear that, then we could just ask questions. Hey, what do you think of what that guy just said there? What do you think about this pressure that is being, you know, created on young teenagers? Do you feel this mm-hmm. pressure? We can engage our kids in these conversations when other experts talk about mm-hmm. this stuff. Yeah.
1: Mm-hmm. I think you like, we are still, even as adults, I think we still search for um, self-worth and identity. And I don't, I mean, I know that as, as you get older and your relationship with the Lord matures, like these things aren't as pressing as when you're younger, but there's, they still exist. Right. So like when you're younger and you're searching for that and you see social media and you get on and there's so much comparison, there's so much comparison, which is extremely overwhelming. Like it was overwhelming for me in middle school without social media. I cannot imagine now Mm -hmm. when you have all of these girls and boys who look you know, they're so attractive and they just look perfect and their lives look so good. And you, you reflect on your own. You're like, well, mine doesn't look like that. And you can say, like Jonathan said, you can say it over and over again, this isn't real, but it feels real. So Mm
3: -hmm.
1: to make sure that you have these parameters and that you are speaking into your children's lives, you're, you're putting them around people who speak positively over them. It helps to sort of like balance everything else that's coming at them because you don't want to shut them off completely but you also wanna protect.
3: Right, right, and I think mm. that, that what you said about parameters is really the key. Um, when we look at this this COVID time that we're in, Social media has always been really important for kids to, to communicate with one another, and especially now when you don't necessarily see your friends as much, I think that it becomes even a greater tether to the outside world in a way. So, so again, just to reemphasize, social media itself I don't think is bad, but... Social media has a lot of really ticklish things that that go along with it and and so to have some good parameters to educate your kids as much as possible about the about the dangers as you said, Kristen, about social media, I think that's really the key, but understand that it can be a very useful tool as well. yeah,
2: I think it's neat when we start to hear some real life stories. Um, my daughter and I wrote a book together on this subject, and when my daughter submitted some of her chapters. And she was telling the story of her and Instagram and and what it was like as, as she went out this one day with her friends and they were all posting stuff. And she looked at these pictures and she was like, why do I look so fat? Why do I look so ugly? And she ended up, Mm -hmm. you know, throwing her phone on the ground in tears. And I'm reading this chapter and I am, I'm weeping. I'm literally bawling as she shares how this made her feel. And it's interesting because I've started to hear from young people as they hear that story and it's resonating with them, they're like, I felt like that. I felt like that. So it's kind of really good when they can hear what other people are feeling and they can consider that so they know that, hey, uh, I'm not alone because like Kristen said earlier, i it sure feels real. Yeah. It sure feels like every other kid has a phone, even though statistically maybe only 78% at my age or whatever, <laughs> you know, you know, it feels like I'm the only kid without a phone and I need one to fit in, but it's neat when they hear the other side of this and they hear people saying, no, no, I've got this. And here's the way it made me feel about myself. and yeah. this is Something you should consider.
1: Yeah. If I, I mean, all I can think about is if I feel like that as a postpartum mom, I can't imagine what a 13, 14 year old feels like. So Mm. it's all, it's all real. And their, their concerns and their questions are valid.
0: Hmm. Well, and I ended up talking with my 12 year old that night about the comparison thing. You know, I said, when you go to school, do you compare yourself to others or do you hear other girls comparing themselves to each other? And she's like, well, yeah, duh, absolutely. And so she was able to get her head around the comparison issue and how that could be potentially really problematic uh, for a younger person when it comes to social media. Well, I wanna transition a little bit. Uh, We know screen time is an issue. We've been talking about screen time a lot. Uh, That's one of the things that we focus on and it's not an issue that's going anywhere, but during the coronavirus, we also know that screen time is up by huge amounts, as much as 50% for both kids Uh, and you know, parents have kind of thrown in the towel. Another study said that 50% of parents have just given up trying to enforce screen time limits since the lockdown started. And, you know, I'll be the first to say on a bad day, I totally get that because it takes a certain amount of energy for me as a parent to say, okay, you're at your limit. What else can we do now besides this? How can I help you? So that leads into my next question. Uh, what are some concrete ways that we as parents can help our kids choose something else besides being on screens if we feel like this area has slipped out of control on our families.
1: Okay. I have one. I think before we get into all of these ways, I really just want moms and dads to hear like grace, grace on you, grace on your family. This is super hard and being stuck in a house, having to manage work and virtual learning and all this stuff, like it's hard. So if your kids watch more TV than normal one day, they're going to survive and your (laughs) brains will recover and you can give them a book to read the next day to feel good about yourself. So like, (laughs) seriously, like we got to be really real about
3: it.
0: (laughs) No, and I, and I love that. I think that's a fantastic starting point because the goal here is not shame yeah. The goal is not olympic level perfection at enforcing the 2 hour screen time limit and I think a lot of us as parents we really absolutely need that grace. I need that. I'm taking well, that message to heart cuz I'm sure my my, well, and, my children are on screens right now as I am having this right? conversation with you but, guys.
2: So um, and
0: and 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 add to it what
2: Paul said earlier when he said This is really up to us to model this. This isn't something we just enforce to the youngins. This is something that we need to live out ourselves. And we need to think about, hey, when our kids walk in the room, are we putting our device down? Are we putting it in our back pocket? Are we looking up and looking in their eyes and talking with them um, at the table? Are we the one grabbing our device constantly as opposed to just saying, no, I'm 100% in the room with you right now. And if we model that, that's going to be so much, I mean, so much bigger. I mean, we, you know, we can teach what we know, but we can only reproduce who we are.
1: I think that's been hard for parents over this pandemic because you're working from home. And so I think you have to be really strict with yourself and setting parameters as a parent because work at home can blend into work all day long, work at night, work really early in the morning. And so having some boundaries for yourself, Jonathan, like you're saying, where you're connecting with your kids. I know on my, on my good days, Adam, to your question, when we're talking about like, what can we do to give them other ideas? (laughs) On my good days, I have like, okay, we have Play-Doh and coloring, and you're going to have alone time in your room for an hour. And I have all this stuff like set up and structured. And on the good days, that's great. But there are some days that Somehow, all of those activities only take an hour, and I'm like, "What are we going to do for the next <laughs> seven hours um, and then I start to panic so <laughs> I think coming up with all the ideas, reading all the blogs on Pinterest and online about like what can I do is so good outside time, yeah. even when it 's freezing, you know all that stuff, but again grace
4: but but you know, Kristen, you mentioned earlier that you were joking in a way, but you mentioned you know saying here you can have a book the next day but the fact the fact is that i think sometimes we stop thinking about books and mm-hmm. books can be a great resource for kids especially especially these days there's some uh we've been doing more and more uh book reviews for for plugged in and mm-hmm. some of the ones that i've been reading they like young adult novels and books for teens and tweens there's some really quality stuff out there you can find some excellent materials that that involve just actually opening something up and reading and and, and yeah I know and there are lots of fun you know there's some really fun books that parents can find to help their kids through the day
1: yeah I totally agree with that I mean when I when my parents used to leave and I would babysit all my siblings, they would hate it because I would unplug the Xbox and give them all a the book. And they were like, this is the worst. You're a terrible babysitter. <laughs> um, and they I really, they hated it. They'd complain the whole time. But <laughs> I feel like I'm going to take that parenting model to heart and be like, well, at least you'll be smarter. <laughs> <laughs>
0: so Kristen, awesome. I think you should have a sitcom called Kristen, the older sister, because <laughs> yeah. I'm or, pretty or sure – I would watch it even if your siblings didn't. (laughs) Well, this has been a terrific conversation and and is often the case. I feel like we could go much further, but I hope as you have listened today that you have come away with some encouragement, with some concrete ideas about how to face these very real issues in our families. Obviously the proverbial genie is out of the bottle when it comes to mobile technology. These battles aren't going anywhere. But as we engage intentionally with them, I don't think they always need to be or to feel like losing battles. And I also love what Kristen had to say about grace. Even if we do lose some of the battles, it's okay. Uh, And as we've talked about, some of the small concrete steps we can take lead to changes in habits and patterns in our family's use of technology. And I think the beginning of the year, Uh, is a terrific time to make some changes and reset our family's relationship with tech and entertainment again as with all things in this area the goal isn't perfection but rather it's staying actively engaged instead of feeling so discouraged that you're tempted to throw in the towel Well, we sincerely hope your new year is off to a good start. If you've got comments or questions about how your family has dealt with tech questions, like the ones we've talked about today, let us know on Facebook and Instagram. We would love to hear from you. And as a thank you for being a part of the Plugged In Show family, today for a gift of any amount, we'd love to send you a copy of Focus on the Family Vice President of Parenting, Danny Huerta's book, Seven Traits of Effective Parenting you'll find a link to order that book as well as links to everything else we've talked about here today in our Plugged In blog entry for this week's episode. Well, on behalf of the Plugged In Show team, I want to say thanks so much for listening today. And we look forward to connecting with you again next week for another episode of The Plugged In Show.